Katie Bowman, Move Your DNA, Restore Your Health Through Natural Movement. Let's get moving. I highly recommend reading the book, Move Your DNA by Katie Bowman. If I can't motivate you to work out and move more, hopefully all the research and data she presents in the book can. As she says in her book, walking defines us as a species. It is not a luxury. Walking has become a lost art for many of us. Think about when you go shopping, everyone's circling the parking lot to get the closest space. When did our lives become so fast paced that we don't have five minutes to spare to park in the furthest parking spot and walk a hundred more steps? Our family spends a lot of time hiking. Besides the physical benefit of hiking, we also feel a huge mental and psychological benefit from it too. When you're walking, your mind has time to wander. Your breathing regulates into deeper and longer patterns. And your posture often improves, as long as you aren't staring at your phone while you're walking. Considering all the things I say I do in a day, you might think that I don't Termination sit still. face. And you'd think to play. Quote, what day is it? Asked Pooh. It's today, squeaked Piglet. My favorite day, said Pooh. Finding your element. My kids love the Nickelodeon show, The Avatar, The Last Airbender. In the show, the world is divided into four nations. The Water Tribe, Earth Kingdom, Fire Nation, and the Air Nomads, each represented by a natural element for which the nation is named. Benders have the ability to control and manipulate the element from their nation. The Avatar is the only one who can control all four elements. Well... Most of us aren't avatars, but that doesn't mean we can't experiment with all the elements. Unfortunately, life doesn't put us in situations that allows us to test what element we feel most in touch with. My wonderful husband said I could use him as an example again. He grew up learning to fear the ocean. It was dangerous and unpredictable, certainly not a place for fun or sports. When we first started dating, he was 19 and had only gone in the ocean a handful of times with his friends and would do his best to hide his fear. I grew up water skiing and just assumed everyone loved the water as much as I did. Naturally, I took him water skiing on one of our first dates and was surprised that he didn't want to try it. Why would anybody not want to get in the water, especially if there's adrenaline involved? I did eventually get him to try it, but the water was so foreign to him that it took him almost two decades to finally learn how to water ski. When I started surfing, it was the same thing. He watched for a few years, then eventually started getting his feet wet, pun intended, and finally, four years later, loved surfing. Here's the irony. While we're traveling through Arizona, Utah, Colorado, he misses the ocean so much. It's nice when we're in Oregon and Washington, but I'm going to tell you, he is much happier when he can actually get in the water, and the water there is so cold. But who would have guessed? If you told me 20 years ago that he'd be asking to do water sports, I wouldn't have believed you. He's still much better at ground-based sports, but being in the water does something for his spirit and his soul, and that's what I encourage you to seek out. Now the flip side is I grew up in the water and I do love the water. Being in the water feels like home to me. Nothing feeds my soul like a glassy water surf session. However, I found that I love the mountains and forests so much more. In fact, my favorite places are where the forest or mountains meet the ocean, like the Oregon coast or northern Spain. But it took spending more time in these elements in order to discover the power they could have on me. I encourage you to make an effort to expose yourself to different environments. Find out what speaks to you. 
Amazing things happen to your mental, physical, and emotional well-being when you surround yourself in your element. We grow up with so much emphasis put on subjects like math, science, history, English, but this part of our development is equally important. I see it a lot in my kids and try to make them aware of how important their surroundings are and how they feel. Daniel is so much happier in the forest and has no interest in the ocean. Gabby likes the forest, but is definitely in her element when she is in water. Isabel loves the snow. Jariah, while he's too young to go surf by himself, I'm guessing he will become a waterman. If he is grumpy and you put him in water, he instantly neutralizes. What is your element? Think of places where you can breathe a little deeper and feel calmer. Now, before you start picturing white sandy beaches, crystal clear turquoise water, and you lying in the sun with a pina colada, remember, your element isn't where you go to escape your life. It's where you go to discover your life. It's the place that helps you discover more of who you are and what you are capable of. Lessons from the elements. We recently took a trip through Joshua Tree National Park. I am not a huge fan of the desert environment. However, I do like exploring new places and I do like wide open spaces. So we spent a few days in Joshua Tree and my favorite part of it was scrambling over these huge boulders. We didn't even rope up and rock climb. The boulders there are just so massive and close together that you could scramble to the top of a hundred foot rock wall and feel on top of the world. I remember the exhilaration of jumping off rocks and feeling the shockwave of the impact of the ground travel up my legs and think how grateful I was to have the physical and mental ability to climb and jump. To be able to test my physical limits reminds me of how important consistency and persistence are. We all have off days, but if you spend more days kicking ass and pushing your limits than sitting the bench, you will accomplish great things. I distinctly remember how much I hated working out while I was pregnant. And remember, I was pregnant for 45 months of my life. I didn't train every day, but I never stopped training. Even if it was a partial workout or only lifting half my normal weight, I kept doing something and I attribute that so much to where I am today. You don't have to set personal records every day. Just keep moving, even if you don't feel like it. There is power in movement. 10 life lessons learned from surfing. Quote, the ocean humbles you. You can go and win a world title, but you're never going to beat the ocean. Stephanie Gilmore. I can't talk about determination without giving you my 10 life lessons I learned from surfing. Surfing has defined my 30s more than anything else, and the lessons it taught me along the way make me excited to find out what the 40s are going to bring. Surfing can be scary and intimidating. It's not for everyone, but it can be fun and accessible to more people if you follow a few guidelines. The most important thing to remember if you want to learn to surf is paddle out in the right conditions. If you're just starting out, find a beach that is sheltered with a sandy bottom. A sheltered beach typically has less wind and less swell coming through. If you're just learning, you're going to fall and you don't want to be falling on rocks or reef. The second rule is paddle out on a very small day. I know a lot of women who start surfing and then get one scare on too big of a day and they are done with the sport. That's one of the great parts of rock climbing is that almost all of the routes are rated so you know the level of each climb. Surfing is a little more dynamic and unpredictable. 
Surfline and Magic Sea, we do a great job of predicting and reporting current conditions, but it's still the ocean, and you just never know what surprises Poseidon will stir up. Another important rule with learning is to develop your paddling skills. Just like how losing weight is more about developing good habits of juicing and eating well-sourced meat before limiting grains and dairy, surfing is about developing comfort in the water and becoming a strong swimmer. The stoke will eventually come with enough persistence and determination. For now, if you are ready to be brave and adventurous, grab a foam board, find a safe beach, and just start paddling. I must warn you, if you catch the surfing bug, it's addicting. It will take hold of you, and there's no other option than to give your soul over to it and enjoy the ride. As you experience the ups and downs of this beautiful yet cruel sport, keep these things in mind. One, humility. Learning to surf is hard. I don't care how athletic you are, you are not going to be catching six foot waves and pulling off maneuvers on your first day. The ocean is constantly changing and just when your ego starts getting too big, the ocean knows and it will put you back in your place. I'm not trying to deter you from learning to surf because we all need a dose of humility every now and then. I'd actually be the first one to encourage it, but do it on the right size day with the right frame of mind. Persistence, non-attachment to the results, and a great sense of humor. Two, patience. You can have the best work ethic, but the fact is nature is in charge here. Once you do get strong enough to paddle through the breakers and sit on the outside, that is exactly what you will be doing for most of the time, sitting. You have to be patient and wait for the set, and most of the time you have to share the waves, which requires even more patience. Three, persistence. Some days you will swear that you are going to drown out there. You can't let a big set or a big swell deter you. You have to keep paddling and keep fighting or else you will end up just sitting on the sand watching. Surfing is a sport that can constantly be improved upon, which requires a lot more failure than success in order to advance. Four, awareness. You always keep your eye on the horizon and never turn your back on the ocean. You may zone out a bit while you're sitting on the outside or strike up a small conversation with a fellow surfer, but 90% of your attention is scanning the horizon waiting anticipating, hoping that the next set wave is headed right to where you are sitting. You have to keep your awareness on the present moment. That's the one place I have to work on staying. Just because that wave is coming right towards you and you know it's going to be a perfect peeling left, don't jump to conclusions because the second you let your mind race ahead to how awesome the incoming ride is going to be, you'll lose it. Stay connected to the paddle strokes. Acknowledge the engagement of the wave. Execute the pop-up correctly. Then use every cell in your body to feel the ride of the wave. Five, acceptance. There is always a clean-out set. The clean-out set is where you figured out how deep to sit in the water to be catching most of the bigger waves that are coming through on the sets when all of a sudden a larger set rolls in and breaks right on your head. You can see it coming from the shore, but by the time the surfers see it, it's usually too late. They will paddle as fast as they can to get deeper in hopes of paddling over it, but most of the time, the wave crashes right on them, and you see boards flying all over the place. Don't overreact. Take a deep breath. Stay calm. Get back on your board and start paddling back to where you were before the clean-out set. 
Don't let fear cause you to sit too deep and miss out on the fun because 90% of the time, your best waves are right there in the sweet spot. Six, act like a kid more. Why would anyone choose a sport that is so stressful, painful, and at times ruthless? Because when you do catch that wave, for those few seconds, nothing else exists. The adrenaline of those five seconds can create a high that makes your entire day perfect. Kids love to play and never need to justify why they want to go have fun. When you finally learn how to surf, it's just pure fun. Seven, confidence. Hell yeah! That's what I think when I nail a great ride. I earned it. No one gave it to me. No one did it for me. It was all my effort and my persistence to get that stoked. And when you work hard for something and get rewarded for it, you have no choice but to feel confident. Who doesn't love success? It feels good to accomplish something. And the best way to success is through failure and learning. So go for it. Eight, be grateful. Appreciate the moment. The wave ends fast. You need all of your senses working. There's always someone out there catching more waves than me, and I have to work on remembering not to compare myself. It's easy to get caught up in the keeping up with the Joneses mentality, but be grateful for the waves you do catch, and if you want to catch more, then it's up to you to work harder. Nine, detachment. You can't have too much wrapped up in this sport. Every day is different. As surfers, we say, any day you can get in the ocean is a good day, but that is not always true. Sure, if you have no job, no kids, no responsibilities, then go ahead and sit in the ocean when it's flat or when it's blown out. I prefer to tell myself that surfing is there for me when I need it. Having multiple passions helps. I'd like to have everything wrapped up in this one, but then I'd be setting myself up for disappointment and less fun. When my expectations are lowest, I tend to have the best outcomes. Don't confuse this though with not trying. There's a difference between intention and expectation. It's a matter of putting your heart into your best effort and that being enough. The results are irrelevant. 10. Love the ocean unconditionally. There's one thing you can count on with surfing. The ocean is always changing. There's no controlling it. Accept it for the joys and sorrows it brings as well as the success and failure it teaches you. You are the only person you can control. Be happy for who you are and what you can do and accept the forces that are greater than you. You, just like the ocean, are full of potential and only you can tap into the vortex of invincibility. Quote, everyone believes that the main aim in life is to follow a plan. They never ask if that plan is theirs or if it was created by another person. Paulo Coelho, the Zahir. Your Zen training now begins. You have experienced a connection between your mind and body. You have searched your soul for what you want out of life, you have challenged your lifting ability and have learned how to be creative without the need of weights all the time. If you followed the yoga and stretching regime, your muscles should be more pliable and joints more open and receptive to change and opportunity. Now it's time for your workouts to be guided by your intuition. What do you feel like doing? What does your body need? What does your mind need? Learn to listen to it and not always what is the scheduled workout of the day. But most importantly, keep playing. I'll be honest, there's no way I could now do exactly what is laid out in this book. Just like I can't see moving back into a house. But who knows? The only constant is change. I'm an adrenaline opportunist. If there's surf, I paddle. If there's a rock, I climb it. 
If I'm in the middle of the mountains and forests, I follow the trail. It eventually catches up to me and I slow down and I do more yoga, more prehab and work to maintain my strength. It's a fluid system of intention and adaptability. I love it, I think it's awesome. It might not be exactly for you, but I think from everything you've gathered from this program that you will be able to find a perfect combination of play, weights, and stretching to make your life fun and exciting for you. It's a matter of finding the perfect balance between keeping your awareness in the present moment, guided by your desired intention for where you are headed. Your real journey begins. While I'm out running, I often run past other moms who are jogging while pushing two kids in a double jogger, and I'm instantly transported back in time to the days when I loaded Danny and Gabby in the burley, that was our biking trailer that converted to a jogger, handed them a lollipop, and hit the pavement. If you've never run while pushing an extra 50 pounds in a stroller, you are missing out on one of the many forms of mommy torture. I still can't believe I used to do that every day. It's a reminder of first, how sometimes you just don't know any better. Second, you do what you have to in order to maintain your sanity. And third, things you endure shape you more than you may realize. I often look at myself with bizarre curiosity. Why can't I be more normal? Why do I have to question everything? I'm not that extroverted. I don't like that much attention on myself. In reading the book Quiet, I realize maybe I am an ambivert. I need a certain amount of social connection and am drawn towards fun, read, riskier, actions, but I also need a certain amount of solitude to read, write, and contemplate life's deeper questions. However, in analyzing myself, I realize how valuable those runs pushing the heavy jogger were, as well as any other form of physical challenge I've pushed myself to endure in my short 40 years. The 20 second hold downs while surfing, the 10 foot falls on a rock wall, the 15 minute workouts I'd squeeze in while I restrained one of my children in a stroller or a high chair while they screamed. This was a common occurrence in my life for almost a decade because none of my kids would let me put them down. So I'd have to buckle them into something in order to get a workout in. If you haven't surfed or rock climbed, these things may seem scary and dangerous, but they aren't. My life was never in danger but it's always enough to keep me on my toes and be thankful to be alive. I've read a lot of great books. What blows me away though is timing. Whether it's a subconscious drive or a bigger plan by the universe, it seems like I always happen to pick up a book that teaches a lesson I need to learn right at that point in my life when I need to learn it. This is very true while I was writing the last section of this book. I was reading the book Brida. In it, Paulo Coelho speaks a lot on fear, commitment, choosing one's path, taking risks, making mistakes, regret, faith, and trust. Quote, when you find your path, you must not be afraid. You need to have sufficient courage to make mistakes. Disappointment, defeat, and despair are the tools God uses to show us the way. Paulo Coelho. In the end, I doubt your plan is to sell off your belongings and go where the wind takes you. However, I hope I laid a foundation of introspection. I hope the fish tasted good enough that it led you to question where the fish came from, how you can get more fish, what different types of fish there are, is this the best fish for me, and who you can share your fish with. Just as learning to fish is a process of gaining knowledge and putting lessons into practice, a combination of trial and error, so is living a playful life. 
There are so many milestones that have brought me to this point. If I hadn't had so many kids, if I hadn't taken a risk on opening another business, if I hadn't blown my ACL and switched sports, but I do know everything started with a subconscious thought that eventually materialized into a conscious thought, a belief, a vision, and eventually into actions and habits. Quote, your character is the sum total of your habits. Your habits are formed by repeated decisions. You never make an unimportant decision because every decision is either positive or negative. It is either building up or breaking down your character. Derek Prince. Everyone wants to be happier, but defining what that means is not easy. I don't know if I'm happier, but I know it feels right. Eric Weiner summarizes it well in his novel, The Geography of Bliss. Quote, money matters, but less than we think and not in the way that we think. Family is important, so are friends. Envy is toxic, so is excessive thinking. Beaches are optional, trust is not, neither is gratitude. A playful life for me has delivered all that. We don't need a lot of money, but we still need some. Good food is not free, nor is a warm bed, but both of these can be obtained in unconventional ways with just as much meaning and appreciation as conventional ways. Raising my kids in a manner that creates a close relationship and instills values that I feel compelled to teach them is important to me. I have to work on not feeling like I need to justify my actions, as well as work on not creating judgment myself. I may think too much, and that's why I need sports like yoga, rock climbing, and surfing to get me out of my head and be purely in the moment. I can be just as happy in mountains and forests as oceans, but I do require to live in nature a lot, and being in these elements helps me develop a deeper sense of gratitude. As for trust, my husband will say I probably trust people too much, so it must be important to me. So how has all of this helped me? I went indoor rock climbing with Victor the other day. We had already done a lot of challenging routes, but I wanted to squeeze in one more moderate route to end the day. When you are on top rope, you never have any real risk, unless the layer passes out and drops you, I guess. Remember, I trust people too much, so I always have complete confidence in my belayer. This particular route was short, with mostly finger crimps. Being tired, I wasn't able to climb it clean, but I was okay with that from the start. I decided to take the opportunity to work on making my moves more fluid and graceful, which meant I ended up sitting in my harness every 10 feet or so, letting my forearms recover, evaluating my next three moves. But what I spent most of that time doing while hanging on the wall was reflect on my life at that moment. I love hanging on the wall. I love looking at life from this perspective and I thrive on the solitude. I crave climbing more challenging routes, even if it means I need a little help from my Blair. As I sat looking at the last 10 feet I needed to climb, I smiled to myself. I saw the end. I knew the moves to get there. I never doubted being able to finish the route. So I sat there an extra two or three minutes and told myself to just enjoy being where I was. I sat there paralleling the climb to creating this book. I had already worked really hard to put into words what I felt and did to create a playful life for myself. I had broken it down into steps and action plans that I hoped others could follow. And now all I had to do was finish packaging it and see if it brings others the success and joy it brings me. It felt good to be there in that moment, knowing I put in the work. 
I had an attainable goal and I was able to slow down enough to breathe it all in. In today's fast-paced life, that's really, really hard. There is so much pressure to keep moving, to keep up, to chase something. Almost so much that many people end up like deer in a headlight, frozen with fear. If you take one thing from this, I hope it's to move. Just keep moving, trying new things, finding new experiences. Move with intention and determination. Most importantly, be connected with who you are. It takes a lot of strength to live your life the way you want and on your terms. Having more physical strength will help you when it's time to make big choices and to be emotionally strong. Having a healthier body will be an asset in whatever path you choose. However, the workouts themselves aren't the big picture. They're only the edges of the puzzle, giving you some direction and building integrity around the centerpieces. For me, it's always been about learning how to fish and not really the fish itself, even though I love the fish. I'd never have the motivation to grab a fishing pole if I didn't taste the fish. In the end, for this book, all I wanted to give you was the confidence to be the best version of yourself because that is all any of us can ask for, to wake up each day and give our best and find our full potential, to never settle, to never quit trying, to never stop wondering, to never stop giving, to never stop experiencing life in all its beauty and splendor, along with all its disappointments and failures. Now it's your turn. Go live your playful life.